Welcome to Everything 3P. This is Episode 7. Good afternoon. Hi, Maurice. How are you doing today? Pretty darn good. Good, good. So <laughs> today, what we're going to talk about, we've been getting a lot of questions, both from our manufacturers and from our, our third-party sellers, on, I don't understand what's, what's happening here. And I thought, when you have a question from a third-party seller saying, I don't understand what's happening here. You know it's going because the acquired product and they're trying to sell product. That's cut it down. Right. And then I started to sit back here and thinking, okay, well, who better than to answer that than Maurice, my business partner, who <laughs> has lived in this level of what I call organizational development, um, company structures, and all that. So I thought it'd be good. First, you know, Maurice, you know, thanks for taking the time today. I know we, we're just inundated this time of year for the holiday season with our clients. But can you maybe talk a little bit about, you know, your background, who you are, um, and and kind of how we're going to address some of this today? Yeah. Yep, absolutely. The, I, I'm sorry for using that word so much. But um, when I take a look at my background, it's been one that is developed by want a desire to help people. And so organizational development and learning and development are the ways that you help people develop in an organization by giving them knowledge, uh, learnings, and so on and so forth. But then from the organizational standpoint, it's about adapting to change. There's a but, And there's a, psycho a psychological mental state, oh, right? Oh, there's a massive psychological... So one, really quick, um, so if I'm not mistaken, you got your degree from BYU and Columbia, correct? So, so I was... Oh, man, you're going to think I was a lifelong <laughs> student. I started at uh, uh, Brigham Young University in Hawaii. That's where I got my initial bachelor's degree in organizational development. And then went to Arizona State, wanted to understand how people learn. And that, so went on further adult learning and leadership is what that degree was called and essentially helped to create uh, one of their professional MBA programs. And then after that, wanted further and I thought I'd pursue a doctorate. So I went to Columbia, realized I didn't want a doctorate. So I settled for a master's in organizational psychology uh, from there and worked uh, for a decade on Wall Street doing all of the internal organizational development uh, and learning development for, for a few of the financial services firms out there. Some some big names, and but with big, big-time craziness, that's for sure. And then uh, we wanted to move back west, and that's when I came out here and took a company with a tech company here in Idaho. And uh, But it's funny, living in organizations, you start to realize what you don't like about them as well. <laughs> Well, especially coming from your perspective, where you can look yes, at that. Yes, yes. And, and, and by the way, with your pedigree and your, your education all that, um, I'm proof that you put people around you smarter than you <laughs> to grow. Uh, and and there's, there's no way I will ever think that I'm smarter than you, given what I know and have seen you do. Uh, but it is, it is quite refreshing to be able to have the barriers of the organization pulled away so that we can actually go free reign on a lot of the different things that, that have been learned. So, and, and that's where we really want to kind of dive in today because what we've seen with the manufacturers that we work with, it, you know, and I, I learned this back in my technology days early, early on. Um, you have the sales organization, you have the legal group, yep. you have the e-commerce group, you have the, the management or board of directors. You've got so many different, I, I call, I always say the word silos. They're siloed, yeah. very much segmented within an organization. And from our third party sellers today, um, they're looking at this going, um, why do I get this letter? Or why am I being forced? And I worked with this guy and, and it's because there's different marching orders coming down. So I thought mm -hmm. uh, before we answer that question, we talk a little bit, 
from an organizational development, just talk structurally what a good one is, and then yes. how if there is a such thing, <laughs> and then and then where where you see it today with the manufacturers that we work with. And we work with with hundreds of manufacturers today talking right. about that. But then also then we'll dive into that you know the 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 true how, how we say implementation that we see it from the outside, right? Yes. Um, and, and I thought there's no better way than just to kind of have a cup of coffee, at least from my side of the table here, <laughs> and and you kind of dive into really from a psychological standpoint and organizational development, what's going on out there. Sure. Well, one of the very first things that I've seen an effective company uh, have is a purpose. What's the purpose? And be adamant about that purpose and understand that everyone understands that purpose. Um, and so... When you look at a study of any organization, any of them that you see that has made a positive impact in, in, in the world has always had that purpose. And they have actually looked for people. Initially, it was those things that they brought in people that thought like them. Now, a cultural fit. A cultural you. fit. Yeah. But if you look at a cultural fit, then you get stagnant because mm -hmm. you're a cultural fit. So now it's moving to a, a place where they understand the purpose, but they have a different way of getting there. So they challenge the thinking. And so it's that ability to critically think of how we add to that purpose that's really great. That's why religions work so well, right? Mm -hmm. Because they have a purpose. Um, and if you look at uh, some of the, the companies that do have a purpose, there's a furniture company, um, Herman Miller. Fantastic. Yeah. Uh, if anyone wants to do a case study on that, they have a definitive purpose. Southwest Airlines um, made a huge push on on the way that they serve customers. Starbucks, Starbucks, Tesla. Oh I mean, my you can go down yes. this whole list. Because, and and it's interesting because when you mentioned that, I didn't really think about that until you stated that today. I know a lot of those CEOs, not personally, but yep. you see them in the news or you see them talking. They're not just sitting here bragging about the product coming out. Yes, they're talking about what purpose are we trying to do in the world? What what do we? Right. What's our bigger goal? That that's that's very. Eye-opening. And, you know, it's funny because one of the companies we work with is is a pretzel company for Exit. Yep. I look at some of the stuff that they do on LinkedIn and, and how they want to give back to the com community. It's no wonder they have a rabid following. Yeah. It's um, it, 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 it's truly amazing to me. I mean, they got this, great pretzels, too. They do have fantastic I mean, pretzels, <laughs> yes. But it blows my mind because... Every time that I get on the phone with one of those uh, employees, I don't hear complaints. I mm -hmm. hear about how can we, how can we add to the purpose yeah. that they're doing it. It's really, really neat. So it's it's kind of in my world it would be like what's that larger strategy right, right? and and I understand that purpose which is you know everybody knows you and I are both very faith based right? right different faiths but very faith based right which goes to that core values and I know you've taken a lot of that organizational development I know you help you know specifically you know your church and a lot of the groups in there to help them understand that which sure. is it, it's it, again purpose but also goes down to the core values, right? Um, really we implement that across the board, which is one of the things that I, I, I was very much drawn to you when we became that, you know, a partnership um, with, with Helen Associates. But so now when you when you see that, that purpose, right? Um, even if they have a purpose, they still got those roadblocks, right? And, and yes. it's going to come down, and you're yes. going to correct me on this or you're going to agree with me, but it's communication, <laughs> right? It's communication, but even above that. So communication to me is is the lifeblood of an organization. I could care less what people tell me about the numbers and blah, blah, blah. Those numbers came because of the communication, right? But above that is the leadership. 
And again, we talk about that professional company. They have a fantastic CEO. Fantastic. Yeah. And he keeps everyone in the loop. Everyone's on the same page. That it's, it's not a gigantic corporation, but yeah. it's a mid, mid-sized business. Yeah. But when I look at where all the silos are impacted, it's because there's a leader in that company at each of those different silos that is digging in their heels or they have their agenda or it's not a win-win situation. Uh, and quite frankly, that's a lot of times I, I'm, I like speaking with these third-party sellers because they do have a leader that's driving it in that type of, of realm. A lot of the brands that we work with are, are still trying to figure that out. Yeah, But it is pivotal that if the leader is is truly leading in a way that begets communication that's when you start to see those silos in the organization burst it's interesting you mentioned that when you talk about the pretzel company and 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 you and i we have we have manufacturers that are literally trying to make their first million dollars all the way up to we have a couple in the fortune 10 right it from your perspective yeah. I see that mid-tier, not the beginning, but the right. mid-tier, always seem to have it a little more tighter, a little more together, where these, these, these. I think we were jokingly say, you know, we've got a couple in the in the top 10, and, you know, those are the ones that I struggle with daily, right? Mm-hmm. Because you, you, you have that driving force, sales, 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 numbers, numbers, uh, legal going, nope, shut it down. Um, you've got the management saying, this is our new strategy. You got the board of directors that answer to shareholders. Yes. And, and I, that's why I threw the word out communication because they're all have different marching orders. Right. Even though you and I both know it's always right. the same thing. It's the greater good, right? right? We need to have a clean channel, sell products the right way, and we need to uphold the brand integrity, which then everybody wins, right? But you're coming at it from a little bit different perspective, even though that right. may be the, the larger goal, but it's like you said, digging in the hills, right? It, it really is digging in the hills. And one of the things that I have found, and this is some work that I've, that I've done uh, in, a, in a few different uh, companies. One of them was a place that they, one biggest distributor, actually one of the biggest slaughterhouses. And I was brought on to this organization. It got so ingrained into silent thinking that I had to call, I, I was called in to help them with their communications because they started having knife fights on the on on the line, it was one of the most insane things that I've ever seen. And well, glad that you're kind of the martial arts guy. Yeah. And I to maybe yeah. mitigate that a little bit. Well, well. So here, here's what happened. I would do a Zoom call on that one. Yeah, yeah. The Zoom call was uh, yeah, yeah. They didn't even Zoom didn't even exist, exist then, right? It, it was interesting though because this this company and it's a large company and that feeds a majority of the world with with the meat that's produced there. But what happened was a majority of their, their uh, workforce uh, was unfortunately deported. And so they had to go in and find folks that can speak. So you went from two predominant languages uh, where they're on that disassemble line. Now they have about 30. Yeah. And so the frustration levels uh, within those different areas became so pronounced and they couldn't communicate with each other. <laughs> they started fighting physically, and the only weapons. Now, fortunately, they were in chainmail. <laughs> they do. Yeah. They, they, so it just it prevents a lot of that stuff uh, from uh, medieval times. Getting, yes, <laughs> it, it prevents them from getting injured. But it it really it really uh, drove home the point that if that communication isn't there, and if there are not certain cues that are commonly understood across the organization, then that organization is going to end up with a knife fight. It's going to end up with, 
with uh, financial duress or something to that, that point. So again, it is vital then that that communication is there. Now you, you said, why do mid, why do, uh, why does a mid-sized company and small companies have it more down packed? Well, it's a cop-out answer, but it's because of the size. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I get that. And, yeah. and, and maybe less silos, right? And, right? and less cooks in the kitchen. I mean, you can sure. throw these everyday analogies out there yep. all the time. It, I think it's interesting because I, when I was doing you know, sales training and, and some of that motivation stuff, I was talking about companies, because it's always applicable to brand protection, right. where the sales group, always thought that they were the one leading the company, right? Right. And it's all about sales and numbers. And they're incentivized for that. Yes. And here's where that communication, and this is where it's going to start becoming more and more uh, relevant to the third-party seller world. You have a sales organization, right. which one is kind of looked at by a lot of other silos and organizations. Right. Like, why do those guys go on retreats? They're <laughs> one making more money. They're, because they're the sales, right? And they're, incent- they're incentivized different. And, right. And, but... When you have a company that's being told you have numbers to hit, yep. and then you're being told by legal or e-commerce or management, you need to stop selling to them. Right. You need to cut that channel off. You need to do that. It's almost counterproductive. And then from a psychological standpoint, I'll let you speak to this, it, it, it's demoralizing. Yep, it, it really is. Well, the ironic thing is part of what the organizational development world one of the pillars is rewards, right? And so to your point, if you see the sales force, and, and suffice to say, they, they, they really work hard mm-hmm. uh, to, to get the sales. Uh, but when you're seeing the extravagance, whereas you're seeing uh, maybe an HR person get, get a, a, a reward. Card, a Starbucks a, gift card yeah, for Christmas. Yeah, something like that. The disparity is something that is talked about. It's yeah. automatically spoken of in the organization, regardless of all the goodwill that it's trying to sue. So it's that disparity that soon becomes uh, uh, basically a sore spot for the organization. But if you, if you get a little granular with that, too, mm-hmm. a lot of people don't understand. Maybe that HR person, let's just arbitrarily say they're making $100,000 a year. Yeah. That salesperson may be making $36,000 a year because yeah. those incentives... I hit my numbers, right. I paid a commission. Most right. people don't understand that salespeople inherently usually have less salaries, but right. much more bonuses, right. which goes to the problem here. Yeah. When you have, let's say you have a VP of sales, right. and that VP of sales is being told by the board or whatever, or the president of sales, mm-hmm. it's not always them that are, that are the problem. You get down right. to, let's say, the Northeast sales rep or the Northeast VP of sales, and he has numbers to hit, yet he's being told by legal, which is going then to the VP of global sales, you have to cut off XYZ. you got to shut down that distributor because they're violating. Talk about the the, the demoralization there going, oh, they're 40% of my number. Yes. Yes. And that's why you see a high attrition rate in a sales force. That's right. It's because some of the numbers are tied to that. And it goes back to... Remember, we were talking about purpose earlier as, as one of the pillars of an yep. organization. Well, think of a purpose as Simon Sinek wrote a book, The Golden Rings, something to that effect. And it's, it's really nothing that's, that's new, but the way that he posited it was, what's my why? And if you look at, a, the, if you look at the conversation in an organization, the purpose becomes your why, and then the how and the what are associated with that. Well, when you get into some of the things that come into numbers 
and such. The why changes. My why is I need to make money to keep my job. I need to make money. Uh, for, so it becomes very... Uh, well, sales is all about not what you did for me today what right. you, you or, or it doesn't matter what you did yesterday. It's what are you doing for me today. Right. So you can have the best quarter in the company's history. Yes. That was last quarter. What are you doing today? And that's the unfortunate, that's the unfortunate narrative. Now, the other thing, though, too, is I, I found that a lot of sales organizations are demonized. And in consulting with a lot of them, they are good, good people, really good people that have the very best intent at heart. But where I find the disconnect is when that drive to meet the numbers has direct conflict with their purpose. Mm -hmm. And there, there are a number of people I know that have left sales, for instance, to take on other jobs because they were on the road 100% of the time. Yeah. It takes away from the family and such. And I know that this isn't, uh, this isn't about sales per se, more of an organizational development standpoint, but... When you look at these, these different... But wouldn't you say, though, to that point, though, you make that statement, I, I do agree a lot, but, I mean, kind of the center funnel of every company's sales. Because without yes. the sales, without sales, the company can't exist, right? right? Not right. unless you're being funded by the government and universities, right, yeah. for, for R&D <laughs> yeah. stuff. But, I mean, it, really, the center of everything comes down to sales. That's why when you look at, when they talk about, um, you know, the stock market or whatever, like, well, the sales numbers are coming out, right? Yes. They're not coming, not going, the HR numbers are coming out. Or, right. the, you know, they're not talking about those things. It's all down to what the sales, right? It really is. And, and, and to your, your point there... This is why you start to see the things in the third party. Yes. And when when that happens, if something's being run inside of an organization, a brand, it they might not realize that they're impacting everything else outside of that organization, which you truly do see. And I have seen it, matter of fact, I've seen it internally at the organization. This is funny. One of my first jobs was with an aerospace company. And as I was helping the mechanics come up to speed, uh, it was interesting to see that all of a sudden we started to see the sales and other organizations impact our organization. So the suppliers had quotas that they needed to make. That impacted the way that, that the mechanics would work on different things if they had the supply and so on. And then our customer also was driven by sales yet again, which then directly correlated with how much pressure we were feeling on in the inside. And if, it, if there wasn't that coordination or communication, then a part, product went out. And let's face it, aerospace, there's little room for error. Yeah. And as a result of that, it could have been catastrophic. So that open communication had to come into play. And fortunately, that happened in that, in that instance. So... Uh, well, let's talk about the human nature when we talk about yes. the sales, right? Because this is going to go right to the third party. Right. I always say in a lot of things I do that human nature is going to dictate one thing, right? Mm -hmm. So when you have that communication coming down, and let's let's talk, let's just say, you know, uh, there was a board meeting. Yep. Um, their 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 pricing is going down. The product integrity is going down. A lot of this stuff is happening. Um, so then it goes down to the VP of sales or the global sales and says, we have to tighten up our sales channel. We have to restrict some of these. We can't let it go the wild, wild west out there. And then you have the downstream regional sales guys going, you're cutting off my bread and butter. Well, now you get human nature survival mode coming in going, yep. I'm not going to do that. Right. A lot of our third-party sellers, and I'll let you speak to this in a second, a lot of third-party sellers, 
they're they're catching that because yep. they got the downstream salesperson going. Listen, I don't have to report any who it is unless it's over five hundred dollars. Do right. three POs of five hundred dollars and under, you can get that product. And now the third party seller goes and puts that on Amazon. Right. Where the third party seller is putting on Amazon, he bought it from the sales guy. The sales guy was like, "Well, I didn't think he was going to put it on Amazon." Um, <laughs> and I, I'm moving product. Right. All these little things happening, bouncing right. around. Right. Right. That's that's where we come in and have to have to clean that up because the lack of communication tied to the human nature, right? It really is. And matter of fact, that was my first eye-opening experience. Is we again, we've talked about some of the things that I've needed needed to speak with third-party sellers about uh, in relation to to uh, unauthorized sales. And one of the first ones that opened my eyes was I was talking this this he was a military veteran. It is a military veteran. And he goes, I had no idea. This dude was so full of honor and dignity. It was an, um, amazing. And was that I, the one we talked to where he actually had him on a truck to an FBA? Or was that a different one? No, this was a different one. As a matter of fact, you did, you did speak with this yeah. individual. And we resolved it in a, in a positive fashion. But again, it was impacted by an overzealous uh, need to meet the numbers. Yeah. And so they, it was a very close scenario to what you mentioned there. Below a certain PO, blah blah blah, and all of a sudden it came back and and bit it in the rear. That's right, and that and that's what we try to do is when we talk about communication and organizational development. When Hal and Associates come in, we're part of that organization now, right? And right. we always say like, I'm not a vendor for any brand that we work with today. I am a partner, and I act as if I'm in that organization. Same with you, right? And now we have to sometimes come in there. And and I always say that our manufacturers are getting one heck of a bonus with you because they don't they're, they're getting organizational development don't even know it yeah. right <laughs> at least from from one side of it because you are coming in there and saying we need to break this this cycle right um, because the third party sellers um, the products out there human nature is going to dictate race to the bottom yeah. conversions buy box salespeople are going to try to move product because it's high, high stress. Yes. That's another thing where you think HR, where they're looking at the incentives that a salesperson's get. Trust me, that HR person is not having daily pipeline calls on what their numbers yes. are that are being pressed. So it's a high, high stress, which yeah. what does that stress do? Screw it. I'm going yes. to let these four, I'm going to let this distributor sell it out and yeah. I'm going to take their word. It's not going to show up on Amazon. Well, we just, you, you can't, that's yeah. the problem. Yep. And again, it goes back to original purpose yet again, right? Yes. If they are true to the purpose, whatever that purpose might be, and they truly communicate that from top to bottom, it's going to be something that regulates. I don't know, regulates a, a harsh word, too controlling a word, but it, it gets them to the point where they're thinking, right? Matter of fact, here's a, here's a good example, and it's, it's, well, it's well used, but Rick's Carlton. They gave, they gave every employee, if I remember correctly, $2,000 to solve a customer problem without, without worrying about it, mm -hmm. right? And I don't know if you've ever said it at Ritz, but <laughs> it's pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah. And the service is first class. But they take that element. They give them a certain uh, a responsibility, a fiscal responsibility, and they do with it what they see fit. And in many cases... It, that might not be the case in the, in the sales, and that's why we have that burnout. And again, this was the intent was not to just focus on sales, but when you look at the from an organizational development standpoint, there is a lot that is riding on that. 
Well, and for, for our audience, obviously, yes, the sales sure. are, are very critical because a lot of times these third-party sellers are getting caught up in all that. They really um, are. So um, you talked you talked a little bit about, um, and this is you know for everybody listening to, one of the things that you do is you go to these organizations and you help structure all this and you do a two- or three-day course. And you recently did that um, with actually a technology company and you had a, <laughs> a, a conversation with one of the head of sales. And I think you wanted to mention that... Um, I think the challenge you had, I can't remember exactly, uh, but it was it was kind of comical because it hit, hit very close to home because I was yes. in that role not yes. too long ago. Well, maybe 15 years ago. But. Yes. Well, you know, it was interesting because this was essentially how do you have the, the tough communication and how do you make it to where it's not necessarily a win-win, but everything's on the table. How do you challenge the assumptions to get to the, the relevant data to have that conversation? And so we did a role play. And executive vice president, uh, I was doing that with a C-suite, and the executive vice president was the person that was role-playing with me. And it got pretty heated. <laughs> I mean, it got heated. And I, I looked at him, I go, are you giving me a sales pitch? And he goes, yeah, I'm using the methodology I learned here. It's really effective. I go, yeah, effective because it's one-sided. And this, so that's the nature of being a consultant. You could call it out like yeah. that. And... And then he was very adamant, yo, it works, it works. And so, of course, the entire C-suite's there. And I look at all the C-suite, I go, is he effective? And the, the, it, it was like a, a synchronous answer. Uh, blankety blank, no, he's not. <laughs> <laughs> and then all of a sudden, in front of his peers, he, he not necessarily put the head down, but the tail definitely between the leg and opened up that opportunity for learning. And so it is funny that we think we might have all the answers, but there are still other viewpoints that we need to take in the line. Suffice to say, there's going to be times that we need to be quick to action. We can't have that dialogue right there, then and there. But a majority of the time, it can be had. And, and I think yeah. that that's what's important. And that's what I want the third-party sellers to, to understand a little bit. Um, Earlier, another podcast series, I said, why me, why now, right? Yes. I, I do want them to understand that um, it, it, they're kind of caught up in some of that. Yes. Um, the, you know, the good face sellers might be caught up in some of that communication right. um, or some of the, that human nature that's driving the sales that they acquired the product, but yet they may not be authorized or they're not allowed to do in that venue. And, and B, you know, if the third-party seller wants us to be understanding Yes, their situation. I'm going to ask them to be understanding on the other side too, because it does go across all that. Right. That that we are here as mediators, right. if you will, right. to resolve this, and it may not always be resolved in the third parties. Right. A view may not always be solved in the manufacturer's view, but we're going to come at it and we're going to find a resolution to to, to find a way to clean that up. Right. And that's where that organizational development comes into. Listen, we're here to break it down. Right. Right. Understand the communication, understand where everybody's coming with to solve that problem. 100%. And matter of fact, this just happened yesterday. I was talking with a big client. They said, there's this eBay seller that is killing them. And I go, I've talked to this guy. So I called him up. I said, hey, what's up, guy? Um, this is what's happening with, with, the, with this particular client. Um, unfortunately, you're the you're the, the the largest seller on eBay right now that is actually offending. I go, whoa! I didn't know that. 
that conversation would have never happened if I hadn't I hadn't spoken with him before. Yeah. And as a result of that, he he went through the necessary channels to be able to make sure that that didn't happen. And boom, it was done. It was done. So it was an understanding from one organization to another. It might not have been to his best benefit, but he understood and wants to carry on the authorized relationship with them with mm -hmm. them on a on a different scale. So. Yeah. So I think the moral moral of the story is yeah. don't be afraid to talk to us if you receive a letter from that's us. That's it. Don't be and that's just it. We're quick to anger. I would be quick to anger too if I got a letter <laughs> like that. That daggum piece of junk. But the fact of the matter is picking up the phone does wonders for all organizations I, involved. I agree. And and we're really here to make sure everybody's successful. It yes. may not work out in everybody's you know, ideal right. position, but we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna look at this long term, and we'll get to solve the problems. And, yeah. and having someone like you, which is why I want to educate the market a little bit on, on right. why is Maurice maybe sending out enforcement letters, but just understand he's just going through a few motions now. What his long term goal is is back to like you said, your purpose, your core values, your education, and what you're right. bringing to the whole thing. 100%. <laughs> well, good. Well, I appreciate it, Maurice. We'll be talking on this more. We're answering questions. We're getting a lot of questions from third-party sellers who are listening. We're getting a lot of questions from our manufacturers. Right. Um, we're, we're trying to address all of these, and that today is one of those, right? Why me? Right. Why now? Um, what's my organization look like, and why am I being singled out? You're really not. Um, and that's what we're going to hear, and we're going to continue on this and go down this road. So I appreciate it, Maurice. Thank you very much. It's been fun.